Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. With that said, on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to This Day in History class, where we bring you a new tidbit from history every day. The day was March 12, 1930. Mohandas Gandhi, an Indian activist who practiced nonviolent civil disobedience, left his ashram at Sabarmanti, near the city of Ahmedabad, India. He was headed some 240 miles, or 386 kilometers, away to a town named Dandi on the Arabian Sea. The plan was to protest Britain's Salt Act of 1882, which forced Indians to buy salt from Britain, which charged a hefty salt tax. Gandhi and the dozens of followers that went on the salt march with him would do so by making salt from seawater when they got to Dandi in an act of civil disobedience. The act spread across India, with millions of people joining. But it was only the beginning of a larger campaign of civil disobedience, or Satyagraha. In 1930, India was under British rule. Salt production and distribution in India raked in a lot of cash for Britain, so Britain prohibited Indians from producing or selling the mineral independently. Britain itself no longer had a salt tax, as it had abolished it when the Industrial Revolution made the mineral valuable. But Britain still imposed a salt tax on its colonies. And since salt was an important staple of the Indian diet, Indians often had to buy expensive, often imported salt. The tax affected most Indians, particularly the poor. And as oppressive taxes are wont to do, the salt tax incited protests in India during the 19th and 20th centuries. By 1930, Gandhi had been leading campaigns of passive resistance for more than two decades. Gandhi recognized how repressive the salt tax was, so he believed that leading a demonstration in defiance of the tax would be an effective act of civil disobedience. He wrote an open letter to the Viceroy of India, Lord Irwin, asking the Viceroy to strike down the salt tax. In the letter, he also announced his plan to trek to the sea to protest the tax. Irwin, of course, did not approve of Gandhi's demonstration and said it would be against the law and disturb the peace. Nevertheless, Gandhi and 78 followers started marching toward Dandi on March 12th. As they progressed, more people joined the group. Along the way, Gandhi stopped in villages to exhort officials to resign and to encourage people to practice nonviolence. The marchers covered anywhere from 10 to 15 miles a day, and they reached Dandi in 24 days on April 5th. By this time, the crowd was tens of thousands of people deep. On the morning of April 6th, Gandhi led prayers and people began picking up salt along the shore of the sea, breaking the law. Indian nationalists in the coastal cities of Mumbai and Karachi joined the protest. No one was arrested that day. But as the Satyagraha continued, more Indians proceeded to break salt laws using civil disobedience. Freedom fighter Jawaharlal Nehru who would later become the first prime minister of India, was arrested in April. And Gandhi himself was arrested in May after he told Lord Irwin that he planned a nonviolent raid on the Darasana salt works in Gujarat. 
But his arrest on May 5th only inspired thousands more people to join the protest. On May 21st, Abbas Tayabji led the Salt Works March with his wife, Kasturba. But when they were arrested, poet and freedom fighter Sarajini Nadu and scholar Maulana Abul Kalam Azad took charge. The march turned violent, with hundreds of British-led Indian police beating the demonstrators. By the end of the Satyagraha, around 60,000 people had been jailed. Gandhi was released from detention in January 1931, and soon a truce was declared. He met with Lord Irwin and signed the Gandhi-Irwin Pact in March, agreeing to end the campaign while Irwin agreed to release people who had been imprisoned and to allow Indians living on the coast to make salt from the sea for domestic use. And in August, Gandhi represented the Nationalist Indian National Congress at the second session of the Roundtable Conference in London. The British Raj still had a monopoly over salt, and India didn't gain its independence until 1947. But even though the Satyagraha didn't immediately produce any major political gains, the Salt March affected Indian resistance to British rule and had an impact on the civil rights leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. And here's an additional note. I know I just mentioned the impact that Gandhi had on the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., but there is some controversy surrounding Gandhi's life and his philosophy. A book called The South African Gandhi, Stretcher Bearer of Empire, that was released in 2015, detailed Gandhi's writings on Black Africans, whom he often described in a derogatory or inferior manner. The authors argued that our fond remembrance of Gandhi is the result of a kind of rebranding that Gandhi went through. So if you have any comments or thoughts or insight on that, feel free to leave us a note on social media. We're at TDIHC Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you here again tomorrow. Hi, everyone. I'm Eves. Welcome to This Day in History class, a podcast for folks who can never have enough history knowledge. The day was March 12, 1912. The Girl Scouts of the United States of America, then known as the Girl Guides, was founded. The Girl Scouts is an organization for girls that encourages leadership, community service, and confidence, and also teaches practical skills. The Boy Scouts movement began in England in 1908. That year, Robert Baden Pohl published the book Scouting for Boys, a handbook for instruction in good citizenship. Baden Pohl was a British army officer who participated in wars in South Africa and other places on the African continent. He was not the first person to use the term Boy Scout, nor was he the first to promote practical skills and self-discipline. For instance, the Boys Brigade was founded in Britain in the 1880s. But Baden Pohl wanted to add elements of scouting, such as tracking and observation, to the activities of the Boys Brigade, 
Other people, such as Ernest Thompson Seaton, who was the founder of the organization that was originally called the Woodcraft Indians, influenced Baden-Powell's initiative. The Woodcraft Indians did not actually accept Native American children, and the program appropriated practices that were inaccurately perceived to be part of Native American life. Anyway, Baden-Powell went about teaching boys about things such as woodcraft and patriotism at an experimental camp and setting up a Boy Scouts office. By the end of 1908, there were tens of thousands of registered Boy Scouts. Baden-Powell did not agree with bringing girls into the organization, and in 1910, his sister Agnes founded the Girl Guides. Soon, similar organizations began popping up around the world. Juliet Gordon Lowe, who was friends with Baden-Powell, was involved in the Girl Guide movement in England. She organized the first Girl Guide troop in Savannah, Georgia, where she was born, on March 12, 1912. She soon changed the name of the organization to the Girl Scouts of the United States and established a headquarters in Washington, D.C. The movement began to grow quickly. Lowe was elected president of the Girl Scouts, a position that she retained until 1920. Branches were organized across the U.S. By 1927, the year Lowe died, there were more than 140,000 Girl Scouts in the country. Young girls and teenagers could participate in the Girl Scouts. Initially, the Girl Scout code included being obedient, loyal, and cheerful. And they could earn badges and awards for their work in the organization. The history of the Girl Scouts is not without controversy. Lowe butted heads with the leaders of other Girl Scouting organizations, such as the Girl Scouts of America and the Campfire Girls. Her attempts to merge her organization with theirs were unsuccessful, though the Girl Scouts eventually became the biggest organization. Also, the Girl Scouts were initially racially segregated. Because Lowe thought that including Black girls would make Southern troops leave, she let state and local councils rule on the issue. The third U.S. troop formed in New Bedford, Massachusetts in 1913 included Black girls, and the first all-Black Girl Scout troops were formed in 1917. The Girl Scout troop believed to be the first all-Black one in the South formed in 1932. Over the years, troops began to include groups such as Native Americans and Mexican Americans. And by the 1950s, troops began desegregation on a larger national scale. Today, the Girl Scouts of the United States of America has millions of members. Girls can now join the Boy Scouts of America as well, even though the Girl Scouts protested the decision due to issues such as sexual assault and inadequate programming. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. Want to impress your internet crush? Show them your history smarts by sharing something you learned on the show. Don't forget to tag us at T-D-I-H-C podcast. We also accept electronic letters at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.